What is a debt spiral? Are we already in one? And more importantly, can America actually go bankrupt? I'm gonna give you a spoiler right now and tell you, yes, America can go bankrupt and James Lavish tells us how and what we need to do as individuals to avoid that fate. Well, welcome back. Extremely full room of thousands of screaming fans. <laughs> See? See? Uh, the good news is we're capturing incredible content. And as you guys know, we're going to be releasing all of this uh, slowly over the next few uh, weeks on my channel. So uh, we will be uh, delivering this content to thousands of people one, one way or another, for sure. And with that in mind, I know that we're at a Web3 conference, obviously, and there's a lot of justified optimism around the crypto space. But if you've been a Bitcoiner for a long time and have been passionate about it, then you're seeing a bit of the dystopian reality that a lot of Bitcoiners predicted coming to fruition, certainly with uh, governments, the Fed, central banks, and monetary policy. And James has been sounding the alarm on this for, for quite a long time and has written and spoken, uh, made some very compelling arguments, comparing effectively governments to businesses. And when we look at business in context, seeing what the governments are doing, realizing how dangerous it is. Uh, and so the topic, very, uh, very lighthearted topic, can America go bankrupt? Uh, and I'm just going to go ahead and start the conversation and pose that. You, you had a very compelling thread about debt spirals. Um, maybe we should start there. Yeah. Uh, the answer is yes, unfortunately. Um, well, you know, you talk about the governments and, and how they're, the Fed is they're, they're managing fiscal policy. But really what they're doing is they're manipulating. They're manipulating the money, and that's the problem. And so what we see is these great booms and busts. And the problem is though, just like you said, is the government's supposed to be run kind of like a, a company would be run, right? So um, you all know, we've seen it happen over the last few years. You've been hearing about it, you've been reading about it, but we operate in a deficit. The United States and most developed countries operate in a deficit. And what does that mean? It means that we have to borrow money to pay for all the things that we have, right? So all of our entitlement programs, our defense spending, um, and then of course, our interest payments on our debt. So Scott, first of all, great to be here. Thank you for having me. My pleasure, thank and, you. And um, so the last two years, in the last two years, the government debt in the United States has gone up by $8 trillion. Just think about that for a second. Eight trillion dollars, okay? And it is now standing, it just crossed, yay us, we just crossed the 31 trillion dollar mark of debt in the United States. Absolutely mind-numbing that we have we have that much debt on our books, right? So the problem is, okay, let, let's let's put that in context for people. So at $31 trillion, that's about $100,000 of debt per person in the United States, per citizen. Now you add all the unfunded liabilities, your Social Security, your Medicare, your Medicaid, that's another $170 trillion of debt, of unfunded liability. That equals about $500,000 of debt per person in the country. And just let that sink in for a second. How do we pay that back, right? It, 
sounds pretty problematic, doesn't it? So it does. So um, clearly we operate in a deficit. Right. So just like a company, you're supposed to be looking at your, your revenues and your expenses. Right. And uh, I see Mark Gesco over here is nodding his head. He know, he's like, he's been behind the, the whole way saying, oh my God, you're, it, yeah, we're both saying the same thing a lot. So you look at your, you look at your revenues, right? Your GDP. And then you look at your profitability from that GDP and you take that profitability and see if it covers your expenses, your, your, your interest expenses, right? Okay. So, um, if you're not operating properly and you're operating a deficit, what can you do? You can cut expenses, right? Right. That's political suicide. Governments are great at cutting yeah, expenses. They're really good at cutting expenses, right? You can stimulate your GDP. Okay. So think war. Right. So, but you start a war, it could come back home. And then of course it can then destroy your profitability. Right. And then the third thing you can do is you can raise taxes. Okay. So raising taxes is also not very popular politically. And it, uh, it actually hurts profitability in your, your, your long-term GDP because corporations, higher taxes, less profitability. They can invest less in their businesses. It, it hurts productivity. So your GDP over the long term goes down if you raise taxes. So what do you do? Well, the easiest answer is you just issue more debt. Print more money. Print more money, issue debt, right? So you print more money to monetize it. And we'll talk about that in a second. But, you know, if we look at the United States, right, and we were talking about it before, and you just think about the, 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 the components, the main components of our balance sheet and our, our, in our revenues and our expenses, right? So you've got your, you've got your revenues, your main revenues are your taxes. Your, you know, you've got capital gains taxes, you've got corporate taxes, you've got personal taxes, right? So that, that's your main line item of, of revenue, okay? There's a little bit more beyond that, uh, fees and penalties and estate taxes, but mainly like 95% of our revenue comes from those main categories, right? Okay. And then you've got your costs, which is your entitlements. That's, that's your Social Security, your Medicare, your Medicaid, okay? Big number. And then you've got your defense spending. Okay, so all of these these are these are costs that are not negotiable. These are these are written in legislation. Okay, mandatory costs. Okay, so if we look at right now, we look at where we are, and you're looking at our balance sheet. What you're hoping is, and you're looking at our revenues expenses. You're hoping is that after you take your taxes and you subtract those big line items, so that that the entitlements. And the uh, and the defense spending, you're hoping that what's left over covers your debt expense, right? And if it if it does, then you're above a one times interest covered ratio, right? So you're just looking at your gross profitability as a corporation or a country, and hoping that you're above one. Okay. So if we walk through our numbers in the United States, and these are from the Congressional Budget Office numbers, right? This is just, this is what they're projecting, and you know their baseline is is pretty uh, optimistic. Okay, so right now they're expecting 4.8 trillion dollars of of revenue this year from from taxes mainly, right? Of course, we know that's going to go down. We'll talk about that in a minute. Then we've got 3.7 trillion dollars of uh, of entitlement spending per year. And we've got about $800 billion of defense spending. So do the math on that. Okay. And that leaves you with $300 billion left over 
for your, uh, for your interest coverage, right? So you got $300 billion that you can spend on interest. Here's the problem. Our interest right now, right now is at $400 billion a year. So our, our interest coverage ratio is, is three quarters. It's 0.75. And if we were a company, if the United States was a company, we'd be considered a zombie company because we're not covering our interest. And so what do we have to do? We have to, in, we have to issue more debt, right? So, and that's really the big major problem that we, that we are finding ourselves in, right? So that's kind of where we stand, right? That's, right? Now, the problem there is that we're in, an, we're in a rising interest rate environment, right? So the Fed, is, the Fed is trying to fight inflation and they're doing this by raising interest rates. So they want to crush demand. Raising interest rates, crush demand, okay? So what does that do? Well, it just makes our borrowing more expensive. And the problem is we have about roughly a third of our debt comes due. It matures in the next 18 months. About half it matures in the next four or five years, okay? So we have to replace that. Now, if you do the math on that $400 billion of interest expense over that $31 trillion of, of um, debt, that means our, our interest rate is about 1.3%-ish. Now, what's the 10-year today? It's just under 4%, right? So that's kind of your benchmark treasury that you're looking at where you have to refinance all your debt. Ten, it's, your 10 years at 4%. So now take that $31 trillion and multiply it by 4%, right? That's a big number. Let's just say half it comes due and you have to pay $600 billion, okay, on your on your interest expense for half of it. That leaves $200 billion. So it's $800 billion of interest expense right there, okay? So let's put it this way. We'll, we'll compare it to like you're, you're an individual and you've got credit cards, right? Okay, so you're just, you're, you're a single parent and you're, you're trying to make it and you're, you've got your mandatory expenses. You've got your mortgage, you've got your car payment, you've got your food. And, you know, as you're, as you're paying for these, you're, you're, you're not meeting all of those obligations and you, you need to borrow a little bit more. You've got two jobs, you, you know, inflation, everything's up. It's, it's difficult, right? So what do you do? You take out a credit card. Well, then you've got this credit card you're pay making payments on, on top of your mortgage, your car payment, your food, and any other expenses. Well, as that grows, eventually, you're going to need to take out another credit card. And then that interest rate is going to be higher because your credit score is going to be lower. And you get into the situation where you have to take out yet another credit card. And eventually you just get into what we call a debt spiral and there's no way out. You're trapped. And that's where we are in the United States. The Congressional Budget Office admits it. They, they have the numbers, they have the charts, and they show that they expect our, our debt to GDP to rise to over 200%. And they are, they're delusional in their time frame of it, but they, they think it's like 2050. It's more like 2030 something. Okay. So they show that that's going up. They show our interest coverage going way down. They know that we're trapped. There's no way out. So that's a pretty big monologue, but go ahead. Has the government historically ever been able to escape a debt spiral once it's begun? Okay. So here's the thing is that no government that has had over 130% debt to GDP has ever survived. 
no, no fiat, right? The difference is, okay, but we're in the United States. We, we have the luxury of, of issuing U.S. treasuries. The U.S. treasury is the, the, the reserve asset of the world. It's a global reserve asset. Everybody needs dollars. Everybody uses treasuries, right? So if you're in a developed nation and you issue debt in your own currency, you can print money endlessly to fund that debt. Right? It's the countries that are emerging. It's, it's the countries in Central America and South America that, that don't have, they're not issuing debt in their own currency. They're issuing debt in the dollars. That's where they get in a lot of trouble. We're seeing it happen right now. And you're going to see you're going to see countries fail. You're seeing hyperinflation in places like Lebanon, in, in Venezuela, in Argentina. You've seen these places just collapsing, right? Well, the United States, we have the luxury of, of, of being able to print money, okay? So the answer is I don't think that the United States is going to fail, at least not yet. It's going to take a while. We will be the last ones to go under, now, that doesn't mean we won't go under because eventually our debt load is just going to be so gigantic and, I mean, ridiculous that nobody's going to want to buy our debt. The state government's going to own all their debt. And, I mean, we're seeing what's happening in Japan right now, right? Okay, so let's talk about Japan really quickly. Japan has decided that they want they want inflation to run a little bit hotter. So what are they doing? They're buying every, they've, they stated they're going to buy, the Bank of Japan is going to buy every single 10-year treasury that's, that is sold on the market. They're standing there buying every single one to keep the interest rate at 0.25%. Okay, so what does that mean? Now, as they hold an interest rate there, then you're seeing whoever sold that bond, okay, now has yen. And they don't want to hold the yen so they're selling the yen and buying dollars. Okay, so you're seeing the yen collapse. The Bank of Japan now owns, they have bought so much of their own debt, they now own, the Bank of Japan owns more than 50% of the issued debt. Think about that. Their jet debt to GDP is over, it's 250%. Is that right, Mark? I mean, that's, that's about what it is. So they're in a spiral right now, and you're seeing the yen just escalate up, which is bad. That means more yen per dollar. It's up over 145. That's over 30% in a year, right? So the, and then their treasuries haven't traded in three days. It's been three days since the treasuries traded. What does that mean? That means nobody is willing to, to, to buy the treasuries or trade the treasuries at that 0.25%. That's the market is, has literally locked up. So can it happen? Yeah. Is Japan in trouble? I think they are, but they, they're also in a different situation because they're, they're, a net, they're a net exporter. So they have the luxury of, they, they can decay away their debt from the corporate level, okay? So they just pay it down. So it's a little bit different, but the United States is, you know, it's kind of like the cleanest shirt in the, in, in the pile of dirty laundry, Okay. And so we, we're going to be, this is going to go on for a long time, but the question is how, like if it just keeps escalating like this, how does it, how does it happen? Right? So right now the interest rate on the 10 years is, is, is 4%. Now we, we hear a lot of people talking about the fed and how they're going to, you know, 
Powell's going to have this Volcker moment. He's going he's going to raise rates and just keep raising them. And, 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 you know, because we have runaway inflation, we're, we're trying to deal with runaway inflation. So of course they're trying to crush demand. The problem is supply side. They know that, but they're going to crush demand. They're going to, they're going to put people out of jobs. They're going to make it too expensive to buy things. And what is, what's the best cure for inflation? Inflation. So, <laughs> unfortunately, right? I mean, it's awful, but that's their plan. So they're raising rates, but the question is how far can they raise them? Now, you know that we, we just, we just talked about it. You've, we have $31 trillion of debt. Half of it's coming due in the next few years. Well, they can't raise rates to 10, 15, 20%. It would be ludicrous. We would, we would be completely swallowed by our debt load, by our interest payments. So what's the other choice? The other choice is to declare victory on declining inflation rate, even though it's not back down to 2%, let it run hot. What does that do? Well, let's, it allows the government to let GDP run higher on a nominal rate. That means that GDP is going to go up in dollar terms, okay, even though the, the dollar's inflating, and then they're going to pay down that past debt with those inflated cheaper dollars. They're worth less. And that's their plan. And so get, just get used to high inflation for a little while because that's, there's, that's the only way they can do this. Now, the only problem is as they're doing all this, they have to raise rates as quick as they can and then pause and then come back down. So you're seeing the markets try to, you know, jump the gun on that. And every time a, a Fed speaker can't, comes out, what did we have, 11 speakers last week? I mean, 11 speakers came out to try to manage the market because they don't want the market to get ahead of itself. So they, they want the market to decay a little bit. They want the market to come down a little bit in order to bring down inflation. But they know that they can't crush the economy into a depression because then the debt spiral, is, it, we're trapped and we can't get out. And then it all collapses. And so they're playing a game of chicken right now. And that's their, that's their, you know, that's what they're doing. If you've been following me for the last few months, then you definitely know that I've been trading and investing on BitGet. Now listen, it took me six months to decide that they were going to be the sponsor for the newsletter. But once I saw their partnership with Juventus, that they were the world's leading copy trading platform in crypto, and also that they're a top five exchange by volume, well, I was sold and I was convinced. And I've been using it ever since to dollar cost average and to invest in Bitcoin. You can also trade there with leverage, but of course, be careful if you're gonna do that. And I don't know if you saw the recent news, but they've also done a deal with Lionel Messi. Now you can get up to an $8,000 bonus using my link below and you can trade spot with absolutely no fees. You also get a 15% discount on trading leverage. Go ahead and sign up right now using the wolfofallstreets.info slash bitget. Claim that huge reward and use the world's best trading platform. And that's likely an impossible needle to, to thread, I would imagine. It's really impossible. We talk about the soft landing. You talk about Powell having his Volcker moment. Well, Volcker had 35% debt to GDP and that's Powell right. has 135%. That's right. That's so right. it's not the same environment. So it's kind of a nonsensical comparison, right? Completely different environment. Yeah. I mean, he can't do it and he, they know it. Now the, the, the Fed and the Treasury, I mean, they're, you know, at arm's length. The Fed's not supposed to be a government entity. 
but it's politically driven. I mean, they're, the the governors and the chairman they're they're appointed by the president and they're uh, and they're nominated and then they're approved by Congress. So, of course, they all have you know direct lines to political aspirations of in D.C. I loved your uh, analogy of the prettiest, uh, the cleanest shirt in the dirty shirt pile. I always taught people always ask me, well, how is the dollar going up in this context, right? Yeah. Shouldn't the dollar be crashing? Shouldn't it be dying? Well, it's the same thing. It's I, I always call it the prettiest pig in the pen, right? Because right. it's just relative to everything else. It's not actual dollar strength. It's dollar strength relative. But how does that end? If yeah. you what you describe with the yen, we're seeing what's happening with the pound. We're seeing what's happening with the euro. How do they ever gain strength again? against the dollar because obviously the dollar has to go down for us to see any assets rise in, in value. They don't. Well, I mean, they will, they will, uh, recover some, the, the, the developed countries will recover some unless they go under, you know, unless Japan or the UK, Italy, the EU. I mean, I can see the EU breaking up in the next 10 years. I mean, I, I, I actually predict, I think Germany's going to walk away. Why? Because they're funding debt to the, the countries in the South, Spain, Portugal, Italy, Greece, you know, and there you go. And that's, a, that's a perfect example. Greece went through a debt spiral back in the, the, the great recession. Right. So, and we saw it happen real time. They actually went into bank accounts and, and took people's money. Um, they said, well, you know, we need to, we need to make the bank whole. So we're going to take your deposits. So, it can happen in developed countries. Now, they what they did is they just they wrote down their debt. And they had you know austerity program, and now they emerge. And Greece is actually in better position than Italy. Now the big worry out there is Italy, and Italy's on on a wire right now. And I think that Germany is going to get tired of funding Italy endlessly. And that's all they're doing. They're just borrowing money. I wrote all about it in Target 2, and we won't get into it here. But the bottom line is, at some point, Germany's going to say, well, we know we're never going to be paid this money back. And so we're going to have to cut cord and go become an exporter again. You talked about in Greece how people... Effectively, not only were they unable to withdraw their own money, but the government basically came and took it. We've seen that clearly in Lebanon. Everybody's probably seen the videos at this point of people holding up banks literally with guns to get their own money out of the bank. Right, and not to the- rob the bank, to get their own money out of the bank. Right, And so that obviously tees up the next obvious question here, which is as an average person, as an average investor, if you assume that this is inevitable, how do you protect your own ass and your own assets. Right. Well, if you, you, you know that the money printer go burr, right? I mean, it's just, the money is going to be printed and that we know it because they're going to keep issuing debt. The fed's going to have to buy their own debt It's more QE endless. It's just, we're going into the point of all of this. And this is what I, I want to get across. I don't think the United States is going to fail. If the United States fails, I mean, it is over. Like the whole financial system crumbles because everything is predicated on, everything is built on, everything is, is interacted with the U.S. dollars. It, it, if you're not directly interacting with the dollar, you're one or two steps away. So we have the luxury here, again, in the United States to be able to deal with dollars. But 
If you know that they're going to continue to inflate the money supply, they're going to continue printing money. You need to own assets. You need to own hard monies. And my favorite hard monies are gold, silver, and Bitcoin. And Bitcoin is, it's going to be adopted at some point. And they're going to be, there's, there's going to be a switch in the investment world. And it's going to go from a risk on asset into a store of value. And when that, when that happens, I mean, it's going to jump from a quarter of a million dollars per coin to millions of dollars per coin. And the point is, it's going to be a store of value and an asset that can be a reserve asset for some of these countries that they're, they're, you know, their currencies are inflating away from them. So it's, it, my hope is that the, the fiat world dies in a whimper not in a crash. And that's, and I can see that happening because the U S dollar is so strong. It's got so much uh, confidence in it. People don't ever expect if you, if I walked out there on the strip today and said, you know, and, and told people about the debt spiral, they'd look at me like I'm crazy. Like it's not going to happen in their lifetime. Well, it might, you know, depending on how young they are, but that's the point is that you, I recommend people like, own some. It doesn't have to be more than one or two percent of your money, but own something. Get off zero. Because if 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 it doesn't work, if somehow the you know CBDCs come to fruition, another terrible thing. I mean, we won't even get into that. But and they somehow kill Bitcoin, which I don't think it's killable. But let's, I don't, I don't believe that anything is hundred percent, you know, coming from the risk management world. I just don't believe that anything's hundred percent. Let's just pretend that it's, it's a non-zero. Okay. But if, if you just put one or 2% of, of your money into Bitcoin and say it doesn't work fine, you still have 98% of your capital left. But if it does, that's going to be worth two, three, four, five times your whole portfolio in the future. That's it's, it's just simple math. When you talk about Bitcoin reaching adoption in this scenario, are you talking about as a global reserve currency or are you talking about as just another store of value asset? I mean, you did sort of allude to yeah. central banks and countries theoretically taking it on as a reserve asset, much like they do gold. What's the end game? Well, I think the end game is just that it becomes a global reserve asset, you know, and that's that's the idea. So you could have dollars. And working on the same on the, on the rails, and Bitcoin working as the global reserve asset, and that's the future. Is it in twenty years, fifty years? I don't know. But there, there's just no way out of this debt spiral. We're in it. It's not going away. We're in it. It's not. I mean, this is where we are. So we have to have something that's hard money that people can trust that they can that they can store their their hard work in. People are going to get tired in, you know, in, in the next couple of decades. This does take a long time. Mark, again, nodding his head because we've been seeing this for, for decades on, on Wall Street. It takes a long time, but people are going to get damn tired of working their asses off and having it stolen through inflation, all of their hard work and their money. If you can't, if you can't afford a house or, you know, you can't afford enough gold or whatever it is, you can't afford to buy physical gold or you don't know how to, it's going to be really easy just to buy it, get your money, buy a little Bitcoin and just put it away and store your value. And that's the future. 
for what you just described, I think this is the first time right now, probably since the COVID crash, that I would say there's a general awareness of this problem at all in my lifetime. Even the Great Recession, I don't think that your average person cared about inflation, really thought about it. And I think this is the first time that you're seeing a widespread awareness that, holy shit, chicken's $25. Yeah, because- Milk is $10. Gas is $6, not today, but was. Exactly. And, and, you know, um, I went to Subway the other day on my way home from from, uh, LA. I stopped at Subway. And uh, I had one sandwich and a bottle of water, $22. Are you fucking kidding me? I, I literally didn't know that it was that bad. I mean- so, but they've printed what? $6 trillion? $6 trillion. Where do you think it went? It went into people's pockets. It went to corporations. It went to loans. It went to houses. The people's houses are up. So they take out second mortgages and then they buy more things. And, you know, so yeah, it's not going away, Scott. It's, it's here to stay. So the, the topic was, can America go bankrupt? Obviously, we know that the answer is yes. But before we go, what does that actually look like? Are we talking about Mad Max, dystopian future, <laughs> you and I are hanging out of the back of a you know, big rig going to Gastown, or is it more like Greece and they restructure and we start the whole cycle again? All right. The answer is, uh, I don't think the United States can go bankrupt without taking down the whole world. Okay. So we, we don't, that's not what we want. Mad Max. Mad Max. So that's the answer. Can it happen? Yeah, of course it can. Of course it can. We can have an uprising and people just refuse to use the dollar ever again, you know? And then it's just hope you better, you you better hope you own Bitcoin. Better have some silver in your safe. So obviously Bitcoin we view as a hedge against this nonsensical monetary policy. I guess, uh, humor me for a moment. Is it possible that any central bank or the Fed could actually get control of the economy and and fix the problems of their own making? Short answer, no. It's it's already gotten out of the control. I mean, you're seeing it, it, it manifest all over the world now, right? We're seeing it manifest in Japan. You're seeing it manifest in Italy. And now this, the, 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 absolute lunacy that's going on in the UK now, right? So here's the problem. You can't print energy. Okay. We can't print energy. So when you're in the UK and you're in Europe and you have these expenses that are going through the roof and and it's making everything more expensive, everything is built on energy. Okay. You can't, you can't take the, the sun is only up half the day and the wind doesn't always blow. And so, you know, if you just decide that you're not going to use cheap energy and you're going to force difficult energy protocols on people, then you're going to suffer the consequences of it. That's what we're seeing in Europe. Okay, I digress. But the problem we have right now is that the UK is getting hit, okay, with high energy costs, super high inflation, rising interest rates. So what does that what does that mean? You have pension funds that have a mandate to pay people a certain amount of money, but they can't meet that obligation because interest rates have been held artificially low for so long and they are mandated to own a certain amount of bonds. So what do they do? They they leverage those bonds. They use an instrument that leverages those bonds. And what you saw happen last week was when somebody comes out, when a chancellor comes out and says, oh, we're going to, uh, we're going to have this new budget and we're going to have these huge tax breaks, right? 
what happens? People freak out. How are you possibly going to pay off these bonds? So they sell the bonds and they sold the bonds so rapidly, it shocked the market. And the chancellor had to come out and say, oh, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Well, you know, don't, don't panic. And meanwhile, you've got the pension funds knocking his door. Uh, we, we have a margin call. And if we don't solve it today, we go bankrupt this afternoon. And so what do they do? Buy bonds. Money printer go burr, buy more bonds. At the same time, they're raising interest rates. It's absolute lunacy. They're QE and QT at the same time. Have we ever seen that before? (laughs) (laughs) I have not. I've never seen that before. So, and that's where we stand. So we're already in it. We're in the debt spiral. And we're going to hear about more. We're actually going to see some, sadly, you're going to see some countries and currencies collapse in the next few years. It's reality. And the dollar is going to, it's just going to swallow them. And that's going to get, in, that gets into a whole nother conversation of the dollar milkshake. Brent Johnson from Santiago Capital. He has this, uh, he has this theory that's called the dollar milkshake theory. You haven't heard of it. It goes back to old, the drilling days where you've, you, an oil driller would drill down and drill a, a, a pipe long enough to go into his neighbor's there will uh, be blood. Property. Right. We've all right. seen the movie at this right. point, right? <laughs> exactly. So he goes in and, they, and he sips his neighbor's oil, right? That's where the, the idea comes from. But the, in this case, the, the, the pipe, the straw, is the U.S. dollar. So, right, the straw, you're sitting across the, the cafe and you've got your milkshake and I've got my straw and it's all the way across the room. It's so long they can dip into your milkshake and I can drink your milkshake. Well, that's, that's the, the U.S. dollar. And the straw is all the U.S. dollar-based liabilities, euro dollars, uh, foreign payments in dollars, uh, interest payments in dollars overseas. And it, it will literally swallow every single currency into its own milkshake. And that's, that's what we're going to see. And that, that's what we're, we're starting to see the, the, uh, the beginning of that right now. Well, I guess the only thing this time that is different, although you're not allowed to say this time it's different, right? It's the four right. most dangerous <laughs> words in investing, is that Bitcoin exists. Bitcoin exists. And it didn't in the past. So I guess to leave everybody with a thought is that you actually have an asset now where you can protect yourself and be your own sovereign uh, investor and protect your wealth and not worry about any of this. That's right. right. And I'm not saying go 100% into Bitcoin. You know, keeping, keeping cash right now is probably smart, right? But get off zero. Yeah, we've, got, we've even got Mark in the audience with hashtag get off zero. I've seen you tweet that at least a thousand <laughs> times. So it comes full circle. Well, listen, it's not the most optimistic of views, but uh, I think it's reality and we have All to right. be pragmatic. And um, it's important that people understand what's actually happening and don't bury their head in the sand. So thank you for presenting, presenting the facts and the case. And uh, everybody buy Bitcoin, obviously. Thank you. <laughs> That's dope.